Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, until further notice, we are not meeting physically in the church building and instead are live streaming our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We hope you will join us either on our website or on our Facebook page for worship. Now, here is this week's message. I want to start off with this scripture this morning. It's Job 27.2. He says this. He says, As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made my life bitter. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt that God has made the wrong call when it comes to your life? Have you ever felt that God has made your life bitter? In other words, have you ever been angry with God? I have. Actually, more recently, it was just a couple of weeks ago, you see, in midst of everything else going on in this world, the same things y'all are experiencing, I lost a really a good friend. Her name was Amanda. She worked at the last church with me for about two years. She was our family outreach director, and she was just a massive, massive go-getter. I mean, she had her PhD and, and all that that comes with, and, and when I first met her, she was working at a very large church. Uh, she was over top of all the children's programs. They had about six, seven campuses. The church had about 4,000 people. And I'd say that just to say that she, she was a go-getter. I mean, she loved the Lord and did so much for him. And she worked uh, for us at Community Heights and, and did not only our family ministries and our children's ministries, uh, when she ended up transitioning out of working for the church, she became a full-time uh, Christian counselor in the local community. She then still volunteered at the church and led our ladies' ministry. She led our events like marriage conferences and leader cast. And in fact, when she got the job at the, the community college, the state college, to teach psychology, uh, she said the reason why she was doing it is so she could continue to share about Jesus. She loved the Lord. But on July 20th, she died at 39 years old. And here's the thing, she was a health freak. I mean, I would come into the office, my favorite drink, and the only authorized Christian diet drink is a Diet Pepsi, just in case you were wondering. I would always come into the, uh, the office with a Diet Pepsi, and she'd get on me because of all the chemicals in there. She'd eat salads every day. I mean, she was annoyingly healthy. In fact, she died while running on the treadmill. And they have no idea why. No underlying health concerns. It wasn't a heart attack. It wasn't a stroke. Her heart simply stopped. And I was able to participate in the funeral. And, and after I did my part and I went back to the pews, Daniela went up there with me. And uh, I sat down in the pews and at that time I just lost it. I just cried. I was, I was so upset and I found myself very angry with God. And, and I just told him, I said, you know why? 
I mean, come on, look at what she did. And, and I told you about her history to show you, like, she did so much for the Lord. I couldn't understand. I said, Lord, why did you take her? I mean, couldn't you have taken somebody else, you know, one of those evil people who do all that, that bad stuff? Why would you take someone who loves you and is trying their best to bring you glory? I mean, why would you take a Christian who's working in the social sciences and, and trying to help people deal with their, their, their feelings and their grief? Why would you take a Christian out of that field? Lord, don't we need more Christians in that field? I mean, what a, Why? Why would you take someone who's so good and she's leaving behind two young, precious daughters? I was angry. I didn't know I was angry, but I found out rather quickly I was pretty angry with God because I thought, I thought he just made the wrong call. Maybe you've experienced something like this before. Maybe you've been angry with God, and I know that this topic can bring up all sorts of things you probably don't want to think about, all sorts of things you perhaps haven't dealt with in a long time. And, and listen, I don't have the answers, and, and I don't know why those, those things happen to you. I mean, I can't answer that, but I, I can say I'm sorry. I can't say I'm sorry that those things happened or those people did those things or that, that situation. I mean, I am, I am absolutely sorry that happened, and, and I don't have those answers. But I do know how we should deal with our anger to God. And many of us face this, and, and maybe you don't want to admit it, but, but I, I'd, I'd venture to guess if we would boil down what's going on. I'd venture to guess many of us get angry with God because we just don't understand. We don't understand if he's an all-powerful, all-knowing God who loves us, why would he let these things happen? I mean, why would he let this pandemic happen? Why would he let our loved ones die? Why would he let those evil people who do those atrocious sins do that to other people? I mean, there are so many things we can think about that it can become overwhelming. And our anger can overwhelm us. It's quite easy, especially now in the midst of everything else when it just starts piling and piling on to get angry with God. So this morning, I do ask you to just kind of lean in. I ask you to lean in and listen. All those distractions, all those electronics, all those things that you could be doing at home, I just ask you to pause and just sit down for a minute and lean in and listen to God's Word, Because anger, anger, of course, is a natural emotion. It's something we all deal with. But if it's left unchecked, if it's not something that we don't work through, as you know and, and I know, anger can lead to all sorts of bitterness. And you don't want to be one of those older, angry people. You ever met one? I've met plenty. They just seem to be mad at the world about absolutely anything and everything. And you don't want that. So you got to work through your anger. So whether you've been angry with God recently or perhaps you've been harboring it for a long time and maybe that's why you haven't gone to church or maybe that's why you stopped, you know, talking to the Lord. Maybe that anger's just been sitting there. I ask you to lean in because I don't want you to miss out on an amazing life in Christ. I don't want you to waste any more years harboring those feelings of resentment and anger and bitterness. I don't want you to live with that any longer. I want to help you and show you how to deal with it. Because luckily for us, we have a man in the Bible who's considered blameless, and what else is it, upright. A man who feared God and shunned evil. And yet his life gets rocked. His life gets turned upside down in just a couple of days. Look at what the Bible starts off. It says this, Job 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the land of us, there lived a man whose name was Job. It's not Job, just in case you were wondering, you know, flipping through your Bible, saw a book named Job, figured it'd help you 
figure out your life, it's not gonna do that. But it says this, his name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Luckily for us, we see this about him. The scriptures speak to his character and that he was a righteous person and that he loved the Lord. And even though he had those characteristics, even though he loved God, even though he shunned evil, even though he was blameless, like sinless, like lived this great life, his life gets turned upside down. Here's what happens. He lost all 10 of his kids who were killed when a building collapsed on him. His livestock, which might not sound like a big deal, but think of your money and your investments. All of his livestock was either killed or stolen to include all of his employees, all the, all the people who watched over his multiple businesses and all of his interests, all of them were taken out as well. And he ended up getting a mysterious disease where his entire body was covered in painful sores. So listen to this, his family died, his business have failed, and he has a mysterious disease. Perhaps for the first time ever in our lifetime, we can start to see what's going on with Joe. We can collectively emphasize with what he's feeling and what he's dealing with. But talk about being overwhelmed, talk about tragedy. I mean, in just a couple of days, he, he has to deal with a lifetime of pain. And in the midst of all that, Here's what he does. In the midst of his anger, he worships. He runs towards God. After the report of the death of his children and all his money and all of that stuff's gone, listen to what it does. Job 120. It says, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Of course, tearing his clothes and shaving his head demonstrates the grief, what's going on in here. And in his loss, he falls to the ground. It's what it says. He's like falls prostrate to the ground in worship of the Lord. And he surrenders his life back to him. Instead of arguing, instead of complaining, I mean, don't worry, he gets there. But he immediately just worships the Lord and said, this is all his anyways. So when you first get that anger, when you first get that tragedy, when that, those feelings start to bubble up, Job teaches us to just worship God, that you and I must run towards God and worship. But let's be honest, that isn't easy. When we get angry when those things happen, it's easier just to pull away. It's easier to walk away. It's easier to just kind of avoid God when we're mad or we're angry at life circumstances. We say, well, I don't, if that's what he's going to allow, I'm just going to walk away. But I promise you, you have to deal with that anger. And if you draw closer to God, if you pull into him, if you worship him, he'll help you work through that. He'll comfort you. He'll guide you. And worship has a way of opening your heart and allowing yourself to, to just experience something different and allowing the spirit to just move inside of you. So when we are feeling that anger, we want to invite God into it. We want to invite him into the pain. We want to invite him into the tragedy. We want to invite him to that anger. We want to worship and say, God, here's my life. It's yours. And I'm not naive. I know that's hard. I know it's challenging. That's why it's the first thing we have to do. And if you find it difficult in the midst of your anger to worship, I just want to suggest two things. First one is turn on some praise and worship music. 
You see, praise and worship music or music in itself has a way of, of helping you just be in tune with God. Worship music is designed to, to draw you closer to him. And in fact, modern praise and worship songs, as many people give it a hard time because it's, it's, it's a little generic, right? It talks about storms and it talks about oceans and it talks about these generic things. But, but here's the deal with that. When you're experiencing tragedy, you know what that storm is. They don't have to tell you. When you're experiencing heartache, when, when they say that stuff, you can quickly identify with it. And so I, I challenge you, like when you're facing that, listen to some praise and worship. Because the music is specifically designed to help you open your heart towards God. Second, I ask you to attend or stream uh, worship services. Let us help lead you in worship. We know and we think about every single week that when we're preparing to, to have our Sunday morning worship services, we believe that you've had a hard time. We believe you've experienced loss. We believe that you've experienced anger or challenge and you're married and you have kids and you have work. So we try our best to design this, not for you to come in and just sit and just watch or not to just sit down and you know passively participate. We hopefully design this and I hope it's encouraging to you so you can worship with us. So you can open your hearts and truly go to God, run towards him with everything you have going on. So the first thing Job does, the first thing we do is we have to worship. We have to run towards God. Number two, I want you to see in the midst of his anger, he gets honest. I mean, he gets raw. He gets real with God. You see, while Job started to worship, he has friends, just like you have friends, who, who show up and try to comfort, but end up, well, well, sometimes friends aren't that helpful, are they? Sometimes they speak about things they don't know, and, and they're trying their best, they're trying to comfort, they're trying to help, but in reality, they're just making things a lot worse. You know, they did a good job for a while, they showed up and just sat there for seven days in silence. I mean, everything he just experienced, they just looked at him. There's seven days like, ah, we don't have anything to say. And then all of a sudden they started, well, giving their advice, giving their opinions. And the truth is he rather gets angry with them. In the midst of that anger with him, he, he starts to pour out his anger with God. He surveys his life and says, I don't deserve any of this. What's going on in my life, I don't deserve. What God's allowing in my life, I don't deserve. And he lived with this idea that, well, if I do good, good things will happen. If I do bad, then bad things will happen. He believes that if I do what is right, I'll get what I like. Job, that's what he believes. He believes if I do what I write, if I do what is right, God will give me what I like. And maybe you believe that. So he surveys his life and says, hey, I haven't done anything at all to deserve this. And he claims that God is unjust. In 27.2, what we read, that is, as surely God lives who has denied me justice. Saying God has been unjust in his dealings. And that's a big claim. We'll see why here in a little bit. But he goes on to say that he wants God to answer for himself. You met those people who say things like that? Say, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna let God have it. When I meet God, I'm, I'm going to just tell him and I'm going to demand an answer. I say, okay. But at least in all of that, Job gets honest. He gets raw. He, he just lays out his true feelings. It's so easy to pretend, isn't it? It's so easy to put that church face on, isn't it? Especially down here in the South. I mean, everybody's always doing great. It amazes me that nobody ever has any problems. How are you doing? Great. Oh, wow. Man, like nobody's experiencing anything around it. They're just all amazing. 
Joe takes that off. He takes that politeness off. He takes that church face off. He takes that, what his mom said, to pretend everything's okay. He, he puts that behind him and just lays it out. and says, God, I'm not, God, I'm not okay. God, what you've done is not okay, which means you and me, we must be open and honest and raw with God. Because it's only out of that honesty, it's only out of that realness, out of that rawness that we discover what we're truly angry about. And it's only when we become self-aware can then God help us out of it. You see, if you don't even know why you're angry, if you don't even deal with those emotions, if you don't even talk to him about it, he could speak to you exactly what you need to hear, but you aren't aware that you need to hear it yet. And so it's out of that being raw and it's out of being that openness. If you, it's out of that, that just mining your feelings. And I know that's so uncomfortable. I get that. But it's out of dealing with that being open and raw, then he can directly speak so you can hear and help lead you out of what you're feeling. And I know this can be hard, but I tell you, any pastor, or at least on staff at our church can help you with this, or a a counselor that's a Christian, I mean, they can help you with it. And and I'm telling you, if you need it, go get some help. It's a good thing. I'll tell you my story about that on a different day. But if you need help mining those feelings and those issues, then, then get help. But Job's honest. He gets raw. He says, God, you've been unjust. You haven't treated me fairly. So because he gets to what his problem is, God speaks. God shows up. Job 38, 1, 3. Listen to this. He says this. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man and I will question you and you shall answer me. Do you feel that? God showing up says, brace yourself. You're gonna give me answers. You see, obscure my plans means that Job considered God's plan, listen to this, Job considered God's plan to be dark, sinister, devious, or even evil. So what God's doing isn't good. It's the opposite of good. And he does that when he calls God unjust. We'll get there though. You see, you might as well be honest with Job because while we don't see in all of Job's speeches, you don't really see him saying that. The reality is that God already knew his heart. God already knows what's going on. So you might as well mind it. You might as well deal with it because the truth is that's for you. He already knows. So you might as well be honest. You might as well get to the point. So when he does speak, when he does lead you, you know how to work through it. So he says, if you're sitting in the place that you want to question me, let me, let me ask you some questions. This next part's going to come out of the New Living Translation just because it reads easier. Job 38, 4 through 13, God says this. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in the thick darkness? For I locked it behind barreled gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? 
Verse 19, he continues. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? You know, I've thought a lot about that. Where, where is its home? Like, I've really been thinking about it. Like, he takes it. Can you take dark to its home? Like, that just blows my mind that guy can say something like that. Like, oh, I'll just take it to its home, to where it lives. I'll just take it there. Do you know how to get there? I don't. I don't. He says, but of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created, and you were so very experienced. You see, when we start questioning God's timing and God's plan, we are questioning his role as creator. And while Job is older in years, he's probably around 70 years old, his experience has nothing on God. And God reminds him that if you think you're in the place to question what I've done, let me ask you some questions. And if you can't answer these, then you need to understand my role as creator. God continues this kind of questioning for him to the end of 39, chapter 39. And he wraps it up with this. Will the one who contends with the almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Basically, it says, if you think you're in the position to question what I've done, answer me a couple of questions. Of course, Job can. And, and while this sounds harsh, I don't believe it is at all. And I would have understood that until I have kids. You see, I don't have any teenagers. So those of you who've had those, you have way more experience than, than I do. But I have three children. And anytime they get out of line or they want to start questioning or they want to, you know, they, they get kind of mixed up between who's the father and who's the child. Daddy fixes that very quickly very quickly. You're the child, I'm the dog. We make it very clear who is the leading role in that household. And I think that's what God is doing here to Job. He's saying, hold on now. Let me remind you of who you are and who I am. Because the truth is, just like my child's not in the position to question me, we aren't in the position to question God. See, the writer of Hebrews gets to this very point. He says this in Hebrews 11, one through three. He says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, for the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. You see, our faith is rooted in the fact that we worship the creator of the universe. He is the one who made everything we have not. And out of his great love, although we didn't deserve it, that creator came down and died for us on the cross. However, although he loves and although he cares, he is still the king of the universe and owns all of it. So the truth is he is God and we are not. God doesn't answer to us. And after Job was questioned like that, he wanted to recant. He was like, all right, listen, I don't understand. But what I find extremely interesting is God wasn't done. He said, oh, I haven't, I'm not done speaking to all the, the questions or, or your heart. Let me continue for you, Job. He says this. He says, brace yourself like a man. This is Job 47 through 8. He said, and I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? You see, because Job didn't think he deserved what he was experiencing, he said, well, God must be wrong. His logic said, if 
I don't deserve this, then God is unjust. God isn't being righteous. God isn't being holy. God isn't being that way because I'm not getting what I want how I want it. So therefore, I'm in the right and God is in the wrong. That's what God says. Will you discredit who I am just to to make yourself look better, to, to say you're right? And he says, are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, look at, I love this next part. Listen to this, he says this, all right. Put on your glory and splendor and honor and majesty. He tells him to get ready, put on all that stuff that makes Job so holy and so righteous. Put it on, Job. He says, give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you for even your own strength would save you. You see what he's telling Job to do? He's saying, Job, if you think you can handle distributing justice, if you think you have the ability to sit on the throne room and judge the entire world, if that's what you think you can do, then go ahead and do it. Put on all your splendor, put on all your glory, put it all in and just go ahead. Put people in their place then. He said, imprison them in the world of the dead. Go ahead, Job, do it then. Of course, Job can't do any of that. And and what's going on is I kind of learned in basic training. What they did is in basic training, all of our, 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 our soldiers who were in training, we all had like student leaders. So we were all in charge of different groups. And what they did is anytime somebody acted up, anytime they were just these people who, I don't know why they joined, they just acted the way they did. So the drill sergeants had a brilliant idea. They said, oh, they want to act like that? Here, you're in charge of everything now. So go ahead, you do it. If you think you know everything, if you got all the answers, then you go ahead and you lead everything. And that is a pretty quick way of humbling most people, not all, but most people. So God is saying, all right, Job, if you got it, go ahead. Do it. Let's see you do it, Job. He's saying, if you want to judge the world, go ahead. And obviously he can't. And he says, verse 41, 11, he says, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under the heavens belong to me. Simply put, God doesn't owe us anything. We've never done something that God would be in our debt. He doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't owe us a reason. He doesn't owe us anything. We can't ever say, God, remember that favor I did for you? Like you owe me one, God, I I need you to give me this. We don't have that. Job thought he was owed something, but he wasn't. And perhaps you think God owes you something, but he doesn't. Don't confuse his grace and his mercy and his love with the fact that he never relinquishes his ownership of creation. He is God and we are not. So Job and his anger gets raw. And out of that rawness, God speaks to him. Out of that rawness, God answers him. He doesn't tell Job what he wants to know. He tells Job what he needs to know. And in that process, it'll lead to one thing. See, in the midst of his anger, he repents. In the midst of his anger, he repents. Job 42, one through six, it says this. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. And we assume that means all things good or bad, but we need to get this straight. It's not just all things good or bad, it's all things. Meaning he can do whatever he wants because he is God. So I know you can do all things. 
No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. He says, my eyes have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in ashes and dust. You see, after God responded, Job no longer wanted an explanation. When we are confronted with the reality of being creatures, when we are confronted with the reality that God is God, the one who spoke it all into existence, we will quickly realize that he is extremely more powerful than us. He is God. We will not demand answers. We will not make him do anything. He is God. And he, in the face of God, in the holiness of God, in the goodness of God, he realizes, who am I to say these things? And so he repents. See, the truth is, and this is the hard thing for me to deal with. I've told you I've been angry with God. But the truth is, you and I, we have no right to be angry with God. We will never be justified in those feelings towards him. Because we are never in the position where we can judge that he has done anything wrong or anything that we, whatever he does, it's good, it's him. He is all perfect and all righteous. We're not in the position to be angry at him. Because every breath, every time we've loved, every minute on this earth, every time we laughed, every time we experienced joy, all of that was by his grace and he doesn't owe us a thing. And while he didn't owe us anything, he gave us Christ Jesus who died for us. See, it's not lost on God how broken the world is. It's not lost on God how sinful the world is. It doesn't shock him at all the evil things that happen. He's so aware of it that he came down and purchased us by his blood. You see, Job, when confronted with who God is and who he is, realized that his anger wasn't rooted in reality. That God can do all things, anything. And the bitterness he felt wasn't rooted in reality. His plans can't be thwarted. Meaning God plans what God plans and we can't do anything to override that. That's God is God and we are not and we simply can't understand him. We simply can't. You see, do you think Job would have understood that God had enough faith in him to disprove Satan? And if you know the whole story of Job, you understand this. If not, you should read the book for yourself. But we always talk about our faith in God and how we must have faith in him. But can you imagine the amount of faith that God had in Job knowing I can do all this and he's still going to worship and he's still going to love and I'm going to discredit the evil one? Oh man, what confidence God had in Job. Would he have understood that his story would be an example for, for all believers, that this is how you deal with this anger. Hey, you're gonna feel it. This is thousands of years ago. This is how you're gonna feel it. This is what it'll look like, and here's how you need to handle it. Would Job have understood that God was using his life to share with the world for thousands and thousands of years that just because tragedies happen, just because hardships happen, just because suffering happens, that doesn't mean it was your fault. That doesn't mean you have to own it. And I can tell you as a, as a child who didn't have a dad around, I owned that my dad wasn't around. I thought it was my fault. I thought I did something. I thought it was me. 
But the story of Job tells me and tells you those things that you've been hanging on to from childhood, those things that those people have done, those things you want answers for, those things you're blaming yourself. We learn from the story of Job that not everything's because of that. Quite frankly, we won't have the answers for most of it. We don't have to own it. We don't have to harbor that bitterness and that resentment and all that anger. See, Job couldn't and wouldn't understand any of that. And just because our anger isn't justified doesn't mean we're not going to feel it. But you have to deal with it when you feel it. When you feel that anger, deal with it. When you feel that resentment, deal with it. When you get bitter, when you, mm, deal with it. Run to God and worship. (laughs) Run towards him. Be honest and raw in how you feel. Really get to it. That'll lead you to a place of repentance every time. You see, a couple years ago, it was a lot longer than that, but probably eight, nine years ago, eight, nine years ago now, wow. I got really angry with God. I've told that story before and I got really mad at him. And when it was just him and me, I was very raw and I wasn't like polite. I was very raw and very, very angry. And I, then I told God off. I told him, you know, how I felt and what he needed to do and how he was wrong. And, and I've, he, he did the Job thing, and all he had to say was, where were you? And I knew Job's story. I knew that was going, and, and it humbled me very quickly. Not in a, like, father lovingly, let me comfort you, but uh, almost, who do you think you are? And it scared me. Now, it's what I needed to hear. It quickly got me over myself and remembered who God was and, and how I needed to respond to him. But a couple of weeks ago, when I expressed my pain and anger, I did it differently. While I said I don't understand, while I said I'm questioning, and and I had all these things that were going through my mind and coming out of my mouth, I was able to confess my anger, but also confess my trust. I told him while I was confused and while I was frustrated, but also said that I know your plans are higher than my ways. I told him that he should have taken someone else, but then I also told him that I know that she's in glory with him right now and would... She's just in such a much better place experiencing the fullness of God. See, this time I came to him and expressed my anger and my pain, but also with my understanding of who he is. And he led me out of that so quickly and swiftly because I had the correct understanding. It was more of a comfort. It was more of a hug. If it was more like, yes, you understand. Instead of me coming to God, telling him off to where then God needed to correct me, I came to him and confessed, I know who, what I'm feeling, but I know who he is. And he comforted me and guided me. You see, God can do that and God will do that. And he led me out of the anger rather quickly. So if you're overwhelmed in anger, I get that. But remember who he is. Run to him in worship. Be honest and vulnerable. And confess your lack of knowledge. Confess, repent. Say, God, I don't get this. If you have a hard time with that whole, here's what I'm feeling, but here's who I know you are. I've told you this several times. Now read Psalms. Read the Psalms. David does it quite well. He explains his issues and what he's upset about, but then he starts confessing who God is. And he comes out on the other side. You see, Job teaches us that we're going to experience anger. In fact, we can be overwhelmed with it, but we can be expectant that God will get us through it. 
And we can stand strong in faith, knowing that all things will work for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. That God will do something with that tragedy. He will do something with that suffering. He will do something with what you've experienced. And, and I know, I get it. I don't like that you experienced it either. But that has nothing to do with the fact that you did and that he can do something better with it for his glory. Nothing you've experienced will be wasted. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you and we confess how hard it is to draw close to you when we're angry. We confess that it's hard to worship and praise you in the midst of uncertainty and the loss that we're experiencing. Lord, we confess we're not God. And we know we are at your mercy. God, we come to you today with our hurt and our pain and our anger and our sadness. And we know we have no right to be angry with you. So Father, forgive us for that. God, we're simply broken creatures who need your loving embrace. We need your comfort. Lord, we can't even hug people right now. So Lord, will you just embrace us with a hug? Embrace us with your grace. Father, help us get to the bottom of that emotion, whatever's going on, whatever happened. Lord, help us just give it over to you. Talk with you. You're not afraid of that. We see that you'll deal with it. You'll meet us where we're at and you'll confront us and and help us out of it. Father, we look to you now with broken hearts, asking for your help and forgiveness. Restore our soul. Lead us to those green pastures and those still waters. In the name of Jesus, we pray.